What is a ghost story? The Oxford language's definition of a ghost story is this, a story involving ghosts or ghostly circumstances intended to be suspenseful and scary. Now that's a very simple definition, and yes, I believe it's accurate. But what makes a great ghost story? That's what this episode of the Bobcast is all about, and that is presenting you, the listener, with a truly great ghost story. So let me tell you what I think makes a ghost story a great ghost story. Obviously, there has to be a paranormal or ghostly element, and I think that to make a ghost story great, that ghostly element should be terrifying, astounding, unexplainable, weird beyond measure. Shocking, maybe, like the ghostly encounter told in the story, destroys the ideas that define your reality. History is also a very key element to any great ghost story. Maybe the history is some kind of paranormal occurrence that happened to a family member years ago, and the story has been passed down through the generations. Maybe the historical side of the story is presented through a well-known local house and the events of the past that led to the supposed haunting of that house. Some sort of history that gives the ghost story credence. That's what I'm trying to say. Lastly, I believe that a truly great ghost story has to have a very powerful human element. There has to be someone in the story that we can relate to. Maybe we can put ourselves in their shoes for just a little bit so that we can also experience the terror and the strangeness of the events of that story just like they did. What's coming up is a really great ghost story told to me recently by family friend Robin Johnson. The path of this story takes some surprising twists and turns in what might seem like strange ways, but when it all comes together, you'll see not just a single image of one story, but a tapestry of wonderful strangeness and otherworldly events that have been part of Robin's family for generations. This is Bobcast episode 131, and here is Robin's ghost story. These stories used to be told in my family that we would all sit around my grandma's rocking chair and we'd say, tell us the story, tell us the story. And she would tell us a story about her mom and her and this house they lived in when they were younger. But before that, my great-grandmother Myrtle and went to a fortune teller at a county fair. And when she was there, she got her tarot cards read. And the lady told her, the fortune teller told her, that the next man who tips his hat to you, you will marry. Well, sure enough, she walked out of the tent, and as she walked out, her husband, George, walked in, and they ended up getting married later. So their whole relationship kind of started in this mystical way. At the time, though, he didn't have a very good job, and she really, really wanted him to be, you know, worthy so that she could marry him. So he decided that he was going to be a preacher. This is in Knoxville, Tennessee, in the early 1900s. He decides he's going to be a preacher, and... Myrtle has always had this thing where she always knew when someone was going to die. Like there were times where she would just sob hysterically and no one could console her. And she'd say, you know, my sister died or my dad died. And then sure enough, the telegram would always follow. So she always knew a day before. One of the biggest ones was when her sister died. She uh, sobbed and sobbed and saw her die in a car accident on the street corner. 
and she called her and her sister said, what are you talking about? I'm fine. Don't worry about it. And sure enough, the next day, Maude pulled out and she, right on the corner of the street in the same car, got killed in a car accident. So that's just to say that she has always had a sensitivity. When you're in uh, work basically as a preacher, they give you housing, okay? So in Knoxville at the time, um, they were told they were going to go to this one-story house and it was going to have this cute yard and yada yada. So they were all excited about it, but my great-grandmother had a dream the night before and she woke up and she said, no, no, George, it's not. It's a, it's a two-story house and it has a basement and there's, there's a child's coffin in the basement and I am not going there. And George said, what are you? No, listen, this isn't like that. We're just going to drive there. But sure enough, when they pulled up at the one-story house, somebody was already moving in. Someone had gotten there first. And so there was a mix-up. So they said, hey, no, here, this is the house you're going to live in. <laughs> so as they pull up to the house, sure as day, it's the exact house my grandmother, great-grandmother had dreamt in her dream. Yeah, it's two stories. It's got the basement. And from the moment they stepped foot in that house everyone felt there was something wrong okay there was a heaviness that just even the kids felt my grandmother you know at the time I think was eight even she said that that house there was just something wrong with it okay while they were there there were several times like my grandmother was playing out by this well in the back and she'd look up into the house and she'd see a woman in the upstairs staring down at them and she would run for her, you know, yell for her mom, and they would go in and they'd look, and of course, nobody was there. Um, another thing was there used to be the sound of crying, a woman crying all the time. And there were uh, chains and shutters that used to slam shut, open and shut. At the time, he was had to drive and go far away, or, or even on horseback sometimes, to other neighborhoods. So he would leave his family alone for nights at a time in the house. So when he got back and she was complaining about the crime, and the, the shuddering and the chains, you know, he got so frustrated that he went and he got a whole thing of nails. And my grandma always says that he went on every single stair. He used a certain number of nails and he nailed every stair down and then he did every shutter. And then they got in bed and they went to sleep and it started again. So at that point, he was obviously he became a believer but it's very hard when you're the pastor in an area to admit that there are ghosts in your church housing the final straw was when my grandmother was walking up the stairs one night when he was out of town and as she was going up a really cold ice hold hand clamped down on top of hers and at that moment she grabbed the kids ran out of the house. The nearest house was really far away. They were like in the country and they went down to the neighbors um, and said, she said, I will never go back in that house again. As the movers came to move things out of the house, apparently when they went out to the well, they pulled up a big bucket of blonde hair. And according to my mom, that when they went to go move everything out of the house, because Myrtle wouldn't go back there, they found the skeleton body of a woman in the well. And then they found out later from neighbors and whatnot that there had been a really unhappy woman who had lived there. And they think that she fell in the well. You know, that's one of those ghost stories. You know, you hear stories, ghost stories, where people stay in the house and they deal with it. Like, no, this is one of those ones where they left in the middle of the night with the shirts on their back and vowed they would never return. 
Myrtle, on the other hand, continued to have a life of that type of clairvoyance. She actually helped the police um, at one time uh, find someone who was missing. So, and my grandmother, everyone believed that she had a touch too. You know, everyone in our family has had some kind of like claircognizant or clear, you know, the feelings, knowing when something bad was going to happen, that type of thing. Um, but yeah, my grandmother had been, when she was dying, she had, it was her 90th birthday. She woke up having a great day. She had cake. Everything was wonderful. And then they called us back later to come back to the nursing home and saying, you know, we don't think, you know, we should we call hospice? We said, no, it's okay. So for a while, she was just lucidly talking about a lot of weird things. We think she talked about the house during that time because um, she kept saying, there's a woman, there was a woman, you know, and we're like, what woman, what woman? <laughs> but we think that's probably what she meant. And anyway, and then she kind of just went into this quietness where she didn't speak for a very long time. And she just, you know, we thought that that was it. She was drifting off. And as we all held her hands, you know, thinking many moments, her last breath, she actually opened her eyes and looked past us like otherworldly. And she said one word, she said, Warren. And that was my grandfather. And then she closed her eyes and that was it. <laughs>